The stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, The Man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. On this episode, we are continuing with a review of the player cards in the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion. This time around, we're taking a look at the Seeker-slash-Rogue multi-class cards. There are four of them, Pocket Telescope, Aeon Chart Level 1, Aeon Chart Level 4, and Genet Beauregard. There are spoilers throughout if you care about that sort of thing. If you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Just a quick reminder of how we rate cards here on The Whisperer in Darkness. The best of the best get an Elder Sign, while the worst of the worst get an Autofail, and the cards in between get a plus one, zero, or Elder thing, respectively. Cards that you build around or are good in one particular investigator get a blessed token, while cards that we believe are destined to end up on the optional list of taboos or that are just bad for the game get a curse token. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. The Arkham Horror LCG community is amazing, and these people have gone above and beyond to bring you content like these reviews. If you'd like to support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty for the art that graces the channel, Nicole Fiscus for the new Whisper in Darkness logo, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for the intro as well as the overlays. Thank you very much. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. We are back with our review of the player cards in the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion. We are making our way through the multi-class cards. This time we are uh, going to take a look at the Seeker slash Rogue multi-class cards. Starting off with Pocket Telescope. It's a two-cost asset that has an intellect skill icon, item, and tool traits. As a free triggered ability, you can exhaust Pocket Telescope, look at the revealed side of a connecting, unrevealed location. As an action, you may investigate investigate a revealed connecting location as if you were there. And uh, Pocket t Telescope takes up a hand slot. Uh, thoughts about this card? I think initially I was a little cold to this card. It doesn't help you investigate. It does, however, let you investigate at locations you may not want to be at per se say if there's like an enemy at that location or you're playing barricade or something like that so you can stay in your barricade and investigate a connecting location this is also nice in scenarios with either random locations or if you're playing a campaign for your first time uh, being able to like look at connections and see if there's any nasty effects that happen when you enter them can be nice to to plan around so that can be a nice advantage to this card but like comparing it to something like magnifying glass and seeker like it's like plus one to investigate it's fast costs one resource it's difficult to evaluate how much value you can get out of the card but if you're using the ability to be able to investigate locations you're not at then that's pretty good obviously monterey jack comes to mind because he can he wants to actively move around the map so maybe he intentionally moves use the telescope to investigate the location behind him so he can activate his ability yeah i've seen this thing in action it's actually not bad so often enough you'll see a bunch of locations that require x amount of clues to even flip it over and go to it it's nice to know what you're getting into you know and as you said nate there's like a decent amount of scenarios that like have punishing effects or randomized locations with sometimes with punishing effects a perfect example is uh like essex county express like it's a, you got randomized train cars and you don't know what the bad thing is going to be so it's a free action to look you know just to look ahead at 
you know what's coming up in the next train card. So if you find like a train card that's going to spawn a monster on you, it's nice to know about that before you go in. And as a free action, that's pretty good. The second bit, so what that's for is if you can save yourself some move actions by doing that, then that's pretty great. Like this especially comes up, it actually comes up quite a bit in multiplayer where, you know, the, the investigators are going around and, uh, you know, they're splitting up a little bit and then somebody's revealed a location and then the Seeker's like, you know what, why don't I just investigate from here and then, you know, that saves me a move action from having to go in and another move action from having to come back out. And then that's when you're getting value out of the telescope. Um, I can see how in solo this is like, it's very difficult to get value out of this in solo. But I think in multiplayer, it's pretty easy to do. Also, getting around baddies with investigates is is useful because that saves you from having to move in, saves you having to take evade actions, saves you having to take more evade actions, you know, as you're clearing out that location. So I, I think this card's like not bad. It's appropriately costed. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention that uh, as a solo player, primarily this card has really left me kind of cold. I do appreciate the free triggered ability a lot. It is nice to know what's coming. I think you make a good point, uh, Matt, that uh, I think Essex County Express is one where this card really shines, not only to know you know what the next train car is, but especially if you need to prepare to discard skill car or cards with certain sets of icons. Uh, that can, if you're racing that scenario, that can get pretty punishing if you just plow headlong into a bunch of those and end up taking way too much damage. Knowing which set of icons you need in order to proceed is pretty nice. I've seen uh, horror and high gear mentioned, stuff like that. You've got a, a scenario like Devil Reef from the, the previous um, uh, campaign where you've got a bunch of sort of randomly designated locations, being able to know, okay, which is the one I need to go to and which can I ignore. That's awfully nice. I do like that this is a rogue card for that respect because you can play adaptable you can pick up adaptable early and then pick up pocket telescope before those scenarios it's like okay i'm going to play essex county pop pocket telescope into my deck after i'm done take it out very easy to do uh, without too much uh, problem the second ability really is tough in solo because typically in solo you need to go to the locations you investigating revealed locations from afar doesn't happen all that often it can be useful if you're on the run from something but i find you tend to have to go to most of the locations anyway so investigating from afar isn't really an option and i don't really like the fact that this is an investigate the the investigate action basically prevents you from using other investigate actions say on flashlight from the core set so you're just investigating you don't get any bonuses you don't get to use any of your other fancy tricks to investigate so if you're playing a seeker with very high intellect that's probably less of a problem if you're playing a rogue who's going to rely on their lock picks to investigate Pocket Telescope is nowhere near as good as lockpicks, and most rogues don't have high intellect, so you're back to investigating with a, a three. I would probably sp prefer to spend the move action to move into the location. Know for sure that I'm going to probably nail the investigate skill test with lockpicks and then move away. 
So yeah, th this one doesn't really appeal to me as a as a solo player, but I can certainly see its uh, its use. How would uh, we rate this one? I'm gonna give it a zero. I know we've given given a lot of zeros today, but this one feels like a zero. I do think there are some investigators that can make pretty good use of this card. Um, a couple investigators that came to mind while you were talking, Man from Lane, was uh, Ursula and Luke. Ursula can use the investigate action after she moves, so she can move to a location. Maybe, maybe there's like two clues on that location, so you move in, you grab one one turn, and then the next turn you move to the next location, use the pocket telescope to grab that clue from that other location, and then you continue on. And then Luke can do Luke things. He has his gate box. He can go anywhere. Any any location is revealed to him. So, you know, th those are fun. But, yeah, if you're looking for, you know, an effect like Magnifying Glass, then just play Magnifying Glass. Yeah, the power in this one is if you have saving move actions. And the scouting, it's nice that it's a free action. It feels appropriately costed. And uh, it's like, a, it's, it's a good zero. I'm rating it a zero as well. This one doesn't appeal to me as a solo player, but I'm going to rate it a zero because I do appreciate it's good in if you're playing in multiplayer. I should mention the other issue in solo, of course, is that this takes up a hand slot, which if you're playing solo, you probably have your flashlight in one hand and a weapon in the other, and this one just isn't going to, to knock out either of those things. But uh, if you're in multiplayer and you've got some other people at the table who can help you out with fighting and, and, uh, st and revealing locations that you uh, want to... Uh, to use that's uh, pretty good i do uh, think there is one scenario that came to mind when looking at this and that was before the black throne where i was playing that with harvey and so harvey you can race to a different location and then investigate the location you just left behind so you get you can be a little bit faster uh, in that scenario and and time is of the essence in that one so something like this would be uh, quite useful in scenarios like that that brings us to Aeon Chart. It is a two-cost asset that costs one experience point. Intellect and Agility skill icons, item and relic trade. Uses three secrets as a free triggered ability. During your turn, exhaust Aeon Chart and spend one secret. Choose and take one of the following actions. Move, evade, or investigate. Aeon Chart takes up an accessory slot. So this one gives you at least three actions. There are uh, plenty of ways in the game now to add additional secrets to this, should you uh, wish to do so. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, this card gets even more ridiculous when you have ways of either adding secrets or recurring it over and over again with something like scavenging, and you're just getting free actions. It essentially turns into a two-cost Leo DeLuca that doesn't have soak, which is pretty ridiculous. I mean, the first comparison that came to my mind was Swift Reflexes from, I think it was Dream Eaters, which oh, yeah. costs two resources as fast and gives you an extra action. This is one experience and gives you three extra actions. Or if you consider Ace in the Hole, that gives you three extra actions. And that costs mm. six experience, and you can only have one in your deck. Which is pretty silly, in my opinion. Yeah, it does seem very low-costed for what it does. That being said... I mean, Leo DeLuca existing means that, like, this kind of effect exists. And I think especially in Rogues, like, oh, man, that accessory slot is very contested in Rogues. Yeah, but really this is really good, though. Yeah, because uh, what, what makes extra actions better? More extra actions to have even bigger turns than things. Because things start, it's my experience that in a game, 
that pressures you to do more than three actions worth of effort in one turn, the like the easiest way to tackle that is to give yourself five or six actions and mm -hmm. just crush that pressure. And I think Neon Chart really feeds into that. Stacking extra actions on top of other extra actions. Plus, yeah, this is a tough one. Plus, if you're playing Cigarette Case in the hopes of drawing cards, this gives you extra actions to deal with things you needed to deal with anyway. So now you have spare actions to draw cards. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, it frees you up to uh, just take, to take the draw action. Yeah. Now, we had a, uh, a discussion before we uh, decided to review this card about whether these actions provoke attacks of opportunity and uh, I think the jury's still out on that one. Typically, free-triggered abilities do not provoke attacks of opportunity, but the wording on this card uh, suggests that it might. So we're yeah, not sure about uh, that one. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get an FAQ about this one. Yeah, because this one's kind of weird, because most, most times, like, lightning bolts, you know, don't trigger AOs. But then this one's the way it's worded. It's like, choose and take one of the following actions. And, I, and we know from the FAQ that Ursula Downs and her ability, you know, when you get a free investigate with Ursula, you don't spend any actions, of any of your three actions, but you're still taking an investigate action, which provokes AOs. Really strange. I hope they clear this up. I mean, I'm operating under the assumption that it does provoke attacks of opportunity. And like, even mm -hmm. still, like, you get an action to evade. Yeah, there you go. Free so evades. You can just evade for free essentially with this card and it's like at worst you're getting three extra actions for two resources which is good if you get it down early it's good if you get it down in the mid game it's good if you get it down late it's good like that's awesome yeah. whereas something like lucky cigarette case you need it early and if you draw it late then you're you just don't have enough time to get value out of it how would you feel nate if it was just moves and evades it'd still be pretty good yeah because i noticed that um in the la in the past couple of cycles um the designers have been giving us a lot of bonus moves and bonus evades. Safeguard comes to mind. Track shoes. I mean, like, if it just had move and evade, it's essentially just a Pathfinder that takes a slot. Yeah, that's true. With, with, with uses. Oh my gosh, that's right. And Pathfinder's 1 XP as well. Oh my gosh. Well, as printed, it's 1 XP. Mm -hmm. Yikes. That's probably why this thing costs 2, because Pathfinder costs 3. And this has more flexibility than Pathfinder, in my opinion, because yeah. you can be engaged with enemies. So right. say you, like, you need to move before you evade for some odd reason, like you have field work yeah. and you need that extra plus 2 or something like that, you can do yeah. that. And it's recurrable, whereas Pathfinder is much more difficult to be recurrable. Yeah, granted, it's like you don't need it to be, but yeah, I don't know. I don't like this card. There's a lot. I think there's a larger issue that I've noticed about this game is in the past couple of cycles, especially especially in the Dream Eaters, this started, was giving out more and more extra action abilities. Safeguard, for safeguard's like the perfect example of like something like we're gonna give you extra things to happen on your turn. We're gonna make your turns longer, and we're gonna make it. We're gonna give you cards that let you accomplish more things on your turn and take more tests and. It, it kind of breaks the three-action economy that, that arc kind of is centered around. Yeah, and then consider, like, Seekers have access to Ariadne's Twine, so now you're turning resources into actions, and that's just silly. Yeah, but at the same time, like, the game in Leo de Luca has, kind of has that. You know, it's it's not something that the game is unused to. You know, spending mm -hmm. money, you know, spending that much money to get extractions all game. Yeah, I'm not sure about this one. So how would we rate this one? I'm, like, really tempted to give this thing a curse token. I really don't like this card. I just find it's 
just a huge benefit for basically no cost and i just don't like cards like that and i this is just one of those cards for me that's like really hard to not want to play in the investigators i can take it because it's extra actions like at what point in the game are you not going to need to move evade or investigate probably never it's like kind of true yeah you know like Mm -hmm. i think barring turn one there is like a, maybe three percent of moves that don't involve one of these three actions at some point during your turn. Oh, I gotcha. So, are you going to give it a curse token, or are you going to? Uh... I'm gonna defer my judgment to Matt for now, and then I'll I'll come back to my rating. Ooh, I see what you're doing here. You're tossing the hot potato over to me. I am. Uh... So this one, I think when it comes to, like, the words on the paper, it's a plus one. However, I'm, like, my brain wants to compare this to, like, some incredibly broken cards. You know, like, this is, this is like, in the same class, like, as things like, because it kind of does similar effects as Pathfinder and Pendant of the Queen in particular. Giving you free things, you know, free extra things to do and making your turns longer and giving you lots of free stuff for very low cost so i think when it comes to like the direction of the game i'm giving this a curse okay okay i did it nate i pulled the trigger i did it yeah i just like it's just too easy to get so much value out of and like comparing this to ace in the hole is just okay like sure they're spread out over three turns but that's arguably sometimes better than having a burst of three actions like sometimes it's just better to spread those three actions out over three turns because Maybe you need to investigate, 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 move one turn. Whereas, like, if you had just spent six actions in that one turn, now all of a sudden you're just kind of not wasting those two actions, but you're probably just taking draw resource actions at that point. So, yeah, this card's this card's getting a curse token for me. I think if we're looking at something like Ace in the Hole, I mean, Ace in the Hole did receive a taboo to prevent it from being uh, recurred. Am I correct? That's right. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, it can't be recurred, and it can only be used once per round. So, I feel like if we are making that comparison, then this thing can be recurred because it's an item, mm-hmm. which is a bit of an issue. If this is a seeker and rogue card, so they are not typically classes associated with rampant recursion, but. We do have cards like Versatile. We do have uh, cards like Versatile that let you purchase scavenging. We do have cards like uh, Professor Webb in this set that is a seeker card that lets you recur items. So while the bar to recur items might have been very high in these classes previously, I feel as though that bar is much, much lower these days. So the fact that you can just, if you get this set up and you can just start looping it, mm-hmm. man, and, oh, you yeah. know. That's when the two cost becomes problematic. And the other issue, too, is that it's in the class that has all the card draw. Like, you have Ellie to go find this thing for you. Now Ellie all of a sudden is taking extra actions. And while Seekers don't have a lot of recursion, they have Twine, they have Enraptured, they have... Uh, truth from fiction they have ways to just put more secrets on this thing yeah yeah that's i think that's that's problematic between a you have ways of recurring this card if you can at least get it into your discard pile which isn't that difficult a a lot of the time you can just overwrite it and 
throw some cheap asset in there and then all of a sudden you get this thing back and then away you go and then with all the secret tech that's now available yeah i i'm gonna give i haven't played with this one but i'm gonna give it a curse token as well it just seems way too easy to abuse this thing and uh it's giving you three actions and then who knows more secrets there's every secret you put on this thing is an extra action and if you draw this thing early enough, you're going to get really good value out of it, especially if you can loop it. And then even if you draw it late, you know, as long as you can take those three actions, it's going to going to do work for you. So uh, this one's getting a curse token from us. And uh, if you thought this one was ridiculous, uh, we've got the other version for you. This is Aeon Chart Level 4. Two-cost asset again with intellect, agility, and wild skill icons, item, and relic trait. Has three secrets. Has a free-triggered ability during your turn. Exhaust Aeon chart and spend one secret. Choose to take two of the following actions in any order. Move, evade, or investigate takes up an accessory slot. So if you thought you could abuse the level one version of Aeon chart, just wait till you get your hands on the level two version and you have at least six actions so here's table. here's a question. So this one I think is like pretty broken because the game has very few effects that give you multiple that give you more than one action. Like we have police badge, and you could do it once with police badge. So mm-hmm. so so hey Nate, imagine if they released a level four Leo DeLuca that gave you two additional actions every turn. Just just that imagine. Card, that card be <laughs> stupid. Yeah, exactly. Even if it cost five. You know, and took up an ally slot. It would it would still be pretty crazy. Yeah, it's like, man, I wish, wish rogues could get something like that. Oh wait, they just did. Yeah, they literally okay, just. Did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that complaint doesn't work anymore. Yeah, but it's one of those things. It's like because it has the seeker on it, like it has. Then all of a sudden, it has to be crazy. And it's like it's annoying because seekers are way better at using this card than rogues are. I think by and yeah. large. Oh yes, yeah. seekers are better at investigating, and they're almost always just as good at evading a lot of the time just because they probably have mm-hmm. things like mind over matter and they have tons of card draw so yeah it's just ridiculous and this thing yeah. has two this thing has really good icons why does this thing oh, yeah. also have really good icons on it oh, so it's like gosh. now now that recursion strategy just becomes that much better because now you can oh, pitch it true. to a skill test now you can have one in play investigate pitch the second one successfully investigate scavenge the other one up and oh look i'm playing relic hunter all of a sudden now i'm playing two of these because it's not unique oh that's right oh i didn't even realize that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm taking like seven or eight actions a turn and it's like hold on so i'm gonna go can you go get me something to drink while i take my turn for the next five minutes isn't that what seekers are supposed to be like like you take a you take a turn everyone goes gets beer and then when they come back you're supposed to be done. Is that how seekers work? Yeah, I hate it. Okay. Does this uh man from Lang? Does this qualify as busted? I, I I do get to bring out the busted graphic, which is nice. I haven't used the busted graphic in in several videos. This one is actually one of those cards where, you know, typically seekers, you know, if you're playing the Clover, you go to a location. You grab all the clues. You move to the next location. This is one of those cards where I might actually consider going investigate, move, investigate, move, and just go down the line and then make my way back up the line 
So you're always getting that extra move and or investigate if you're, you know, being silly and playing two of these things. And well, you know what? You you're looking for ways to burn actions. So you know what it synergizes with? Because you take an investigate action, you can use the pocket telescope. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like I investigate, I move, I use the pocket telescope to investigate, I use this to investigate and move and just keep. Or uh, fingerprint kit. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt this is getting a, a curse token across the oh, board. Oh yeah, without question. It's like the other the other thing too is that you can plan your turn around it. It's not like you have to do it at the beginning of your turn. So it's like, say you're at a location with three clues, you discover two with your first two actions, then you use the Eon chart, then investigate and move. And then you still have another action. You know, so it's like it's totally flexible in when you use it as well. Uh, it, it, it is worth noting that you have to do, you can't do the same action twice, I believe, from the way it's worded, because it says choose yeah, to take two. Yeah, that, that is kind of up for debate, to, to be precise. I, I think it is, you have to take, you have to choose two, uh, two, two of the above, not... You gotta, you gotta give this ridiculous card some mild restriction, right? I know. Well, you know, once you start power gaming, it's hard to stop. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know, it's so true. <laughs> Yeah, this card's so dumb. I did see a lot of Aeon Chart being played during the uh, the Horrors Without Borders fundraiser that uh, Great Old Modems Gaming did recently. Mm. Very popular choice. I think the reasons are, are pretty obvious if you've been even playing this game very even a little bit. Extra actions are good. Two extra actions a turn is better. And then you start getting into crazy scenarios where you're adding secrets and or recurring this thing with various abilities, which with cards like Versatile are now available to pretty much any class in the game. This thing can get uh, pretty silly pretty quickly. I suspect if uh, something like Ace in the Hole got tabooed to prevent it from triggering more than once a turn and then removing itself from the game afterwards that this thing will uh this thing will soon um, follow yeah. especially i mean pendant of the queen got tabooed as well for basically allowing you to do similar stuff so i suspect yeah. this one will uh will follow those and uh yeah i i don't see a world where quick thinking is tabooed and this is like yeah, i just exactly. don't see why that would that would be yeah and you can combine quick thinking with this card you can oh, of course. move I and just... then quick thinking and i think someone at ffg really <clears throat> likes monterey jack like really likes monterey jack that brings us to Jeanette beauregard intrepid explorer she's a five cost asset that costs three experience points intellect and agility skill icons ally and wayfarer trait you get plus one intellect and plus one agility as a response during your turn after you move to a location exhaust Jeanette beauregard move a clue or a non-elite enemy from a connecting location to your location or vice versa Jeanette has two health two sanity and takes up an ally slot what do we think about Jeanette? If you wanted more ways to combo with Eon Chart, here you go. <laughs> um, this card is quite good. Quite good. I think the first comparison that probably comes to most people's minds is Lola Santiago. Yeah. And while Lola does cost three, her ability requires you to constantly spend resources to get additional benefit out of. Whereas with Jeanette, that is not the case. You can mm-hmm. move clues and move enemies for free, so... Being able to move enemies seems really good. I don't know. Yeah, I 
you know, honestly, like if she was just move a clue, like they could stop there. I mean, she would, it would she would have to cost less than five at that point. But if it was just move clues around, that would that would be fine. Yeah, just like moving enemies around, that just opens up a can of worms. It's like, how does that work? Because now you can like move into a location before the guardian does, and like shove the enemy back to the guardian's location, and then investigate freely. Yeah. Let's say that you're like solo or something or two player. You just ignore non hunter. Yeah, yeah entirely. I'm going to mention this yeah. because I know Matt will eventually. Is that you know using this to reposition enemies just sets up dynamite blast. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I thought the viewers know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. I was initially kind of scratching my head about this one initially, but then you know the more you think about it. The more uses you find for Genet, I mean, even if it was just moving clues around, that is a pretty powerful ability because you can, say, move clues around so you can set up a deduction too, so you can grab lots of clues. You can move clues to better lo locations with more amenable shroud values. You can move clues off of victory point locations so you can score VPs. Moving enemies around, again, if you can somehow disengage from those enemies or just throw those enemies away so you never have to face them, that's really good. Janae can take a punch because she's got two health and two sanity, so she can. she's not going to necessarily go down to ally hate immediately. Really, the only issue with her is she costs five, but... I think you're getting so much value out of that five that you'll gladly pay that and then use her. So you really disengage from enemies when you when you use her? No, I think if you I think you can use her to disengage from an enemy when you move. Like if you somehow can move to a location, say I think maybe shortcut works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I shortcut into a location. You have moved to a location, so then you can trigger. Janae's response and because that enemy that you brought with you is now at that location you can disengage from that enemy and kick it back to another location yikes is it's my understanding of how that works so it's like you get a i'm just thinking about like what this kind of compares to it's like a cat burglar that doesn't cost actions to use in that regard mm -hmm. in that case or like a stealth or something like that yeah that's pretty nuts if that's the case yeah, that's it's like a fast cat burglar. Well, it, it like huh. really trivializes hunter enemies a lot of the time, you know, because like yeah. you're moving, you're shoving into location back, and then you're probably investigating and moving on. Yeah, like... it's 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 basically like you're gonna try to outrace the scenario, especially a lot of some of the early campaigns that are like that are kind of structured like hallways, mm -hmm. where you visit a location once and you never go back to it, then you just kind of like move the enemies behind i admit i really like the moving clues around i think that's something we don't see enough of and i i think i like that as design the idea of like seekers being able to like manipulate shroud to get things done because mm. she doesn't actually discover any clues for you she just you just move clues around in order to like help yourself discover them yeah which i think is kind of interesting but moving enemies around i'm like i don't know this just doesn't feel right it doesn't sit right with me guys it doesn't sit right yeah, I guess the the one hmm. thing the one thing that I would say about this is that typically there aren't that many like 
I have trouble imagining scenarios where there are enemies at locations that you haven't already been to. Again, because enemies tend to spawn on you and not at locations that just happen to be in front of you. So I don't know how often you would be triggering that ability. Um, like you said, Matt, there are quite a few scenarios that are structured like hallways, like Doom of Etsley, obviously, where I think if you were heading back to the entrance with this, uh, Jeanne is quite relevant because chances are you're going to run into a non-elite enemy. You move into that location, then kick the enemy back behind you and you know, you keep on trucking, you've saved yourself an evade, you can just keep on moving without having to stop, which is which is pretty nice. But in most scenarios, enemies are either on you or behind you already. So I don't know how often this, the whole enemy thing, I, I guess it yeah. might be nice if you've got a non-elite that has a, that is worth a VP and the group wants to keep moving. And so the seeker can pull or the rogue i guess in this case can pull that enemy along so the guardian has more time to kill it so i think there's a lot i mean there's i think this is one of those cards where you're going to discover lots of interesting ways to use her ability uh, that aren't readily apparent from just reading the card text how would we rate this one i'm gonna give this a pretty solid plus one i think it's pretty appropriately costed for what it does especially when you're comparing it to something like lola santiago i think this is a a very good parallel to that card yeah sitting here tur tossing it around in my head i'm just not sure how i'm just not sure how um disrupting the moving enemies around thing really is yet so i'm gonna give it a plus one with the asterisk saying use responsibly don't try to don't overuse the moving non-elite enemies. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a plus one as well. Again, this one uh, tickles that itch I have for playing before the Black Throne and being being able to keep moving and pulling clues along with me. That's really nice, and especially if you're playing in solo and you're at those locations where you you know you run into a lot of locations that only have one clue on them and you've got deduction in your hand, so you can just pull those clues along have one really efficient investigate rather than doing a bunch of sort of inefficient investigates with and have that deduction so you know, waiting so you know what synergizes with it pocket telescope boom so pocket telescope is playable with all of the cards in the yeah uh, the it's, seeker. it's almost as if someone was designing a whole card pool for monterey jack and just threw it all in there <laughs> i guess that is something worth mentioning is that while the Guardian Rogue cards don't seem to belong to any of the investigators in this box. Um, the Seeker Rogue cards definitely play nice with uh, with Monterey. Bob Jenkins, not as much. Although Bob Jenkins, he got chart. Oh god, he gets scavenging. Mm -hmm. Okay, nope, nope, not gonna go there. No, no more talking. That's gonna do it for our look at the Seeker and Rogue cards in the uh, Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion. Let us know in the comments down below what you think of uh, Aeon Chart. Have you had a good experience with it? Uh, are you uh, abusing this uh, card to high heaven? Let us know. Any final thoughts? Seekers. Yeah, Man, Seekers. They, they get some good cards, those Seekers. They sure I, I do. I will say that this is a nice coherent package of um, four cards of various XP points. So like 
kudos on the designers for designing a nice coherent package of cards that synergize with each other. Like, Monterey Jack has got his card pool worked out for him just right out of the box here. That's true. Yeah, and, and they're also pretty good in um, Bob as well. You know, Bob likes items, yeah. which is nice. Bob That's also true. can use Jenna pretty well, I think. You know, he can get pretty decent value out of that plus one intellect. You know, he's not going to be using that reaction ability so much. But, mm. you know, he might he might like it. But, yeah, I mean, Eon Shirt is annoying. This card is just, I don't like it, it existing in the game, but it is what it is. And Pocket Telescope, Pocket Telescope actually has me interested to build decks around. Yeah, it's, it's useful. I like it. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.